Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Talented 10th Podcast. Today's episode, we will be focusing on online security and privacy. This is a major issue and a lot of things have come to light recently and I know that this is something that really resonates with a lot of people and I'm talking about the recent events regarding Twitter, Parler, and most notably WhatsApp and the new terms of policy which pretty much says that if you want to continue using WhatsApp, you have to forfeit all your information over to Facebook. I'm not going to lie to you guys. This has been one of the hardest podcasts for me to make. As I don't want to just give you guys like opinions and like what I think. But really facts. Because this is a really factual topic when we're talking about your security here. And you know, honestly, through my research, one of the biggest privacy tools is or practices that I should say that you can implement is called compartmentalization, meaning that one provider should not be responsible for more than one service at a time. And this is crucial because throughout our daily lives, the big five is constantly watching us through our emails, our messaging apps, our social media apps, our work apps, just like any facet of your digital life. And it becomes very pervasive because we really do give them a large scale model of data to work with because we often have more than one service through these particular providers. You know, whether that be like your iTunes account, your iMessaging account, um, your email account, or, you know, like your Google Drive, your YouTube account, your Gmail account. So you begin to see a pattern here, like you're trusting someone with um, a large portion of your data. And, you know, for those of us who feel like they're in the category where it's like, oh, well, you know, I got nothing to hide. You know, like I'm not a criminal. I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, to that, I'd have to say, look no further than China, right? Where we are seeing this dystopia unfold in that the government collects all of this data on all of the citizens and then uses it to create a social credit score for everyone which then can be used to deny you things like you know public transport you know transportation on trains airplanes or you know just general public events even and it is really quite alarming when you sit back and you do research for yourself and i say this because don't just take my word for it but everyone should do their own due diligence to really see for themselves what is going on so that you better understand the danger. Just don't take my word for it. And, you know, it it really is quite troubling when you think about how naive a lot of us were, especially like pre-COVID, because, you know, things felt normal, right? Like if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? A lot of us were just kind of carrying on with our, you know, usual hustle or, you know, caught up in whatever. But this season has a lot allowed us to really slow things down a lot and really start analyzing and say, hey, wait a second, like, you know, what exactly is going on here? And, you know, this isn't just something as simple as getting like a VPN or changing the operating system on your phone or your computer. It's a lot much deeper than that. The methodologies that are used to acquire data, they're not as simple as just internet cookies anymore. And in this podcast, I really want to touch upon, and I say touch because I do not have the knowledge or the technical expertise to really pick everything down to the bone and explain it to you. But to just really honestly, I just have a surface level understanding of these things. 
and I want to just shed some light on some of the tools that you can use to better protect yourself. But the more most important thing is you need to know that these tools aren't magic. Just because you use them doesn't mean that you are protected. You have to know how to use them and when to use them. There's a time and a place for everything. I would like to turn our attention towards our web browsers because it's something I feel that everyone can relate to, whether you are on a Windows, Linux, or Mac system, or whether it's mobile or desktop. It's something generally very universal. Just to give you a glimpse of the scale of our data acquisition. So like I had previously mentioned about the data acquisition through our our internet browsers. I just want to caution everyone not to have overconfidence in what browser you use. Like some people may feel like, hey, you know, I'm using the Brave browser. So now I'm protected and I can go ahead and do whatever I would like. But you have to remember that privacy and being anonymous are two different things. You can have a private conversation with a friend or family member over your messaging app, but you're not anonymous if it's tied into your real world identity. And likewise, you can post a comment on a public forum, but keep your identity anonymous. So just remember that the two aren't interchangeable. And now back to speaking specifically about browsers, the way that your data is being acquired in the modern internet age isn't as simple as cookies anymore or like, you know, third party tracking scripts, but it's something that is called or known as the browser fingerprint. To give you a little insight into this, I'll be referring from blog.mozilla.org. They have an article in here, which does a way better job explaining browser fingerprinting than I ever could. So I'll be reading some portions from this blog that I find that really stand out. So it starts off, what is browser fingerprinting? Initially developed for security purposes, Browser fingerprinting, also known as device fingerprinting, is a tracking technique capable of identifying individual users based on their browser and device settings. In order for websites to display correctly, your browser makes certain information available about your device, including your screen resolution, operating system, location, and language settings. These details essentially make up the ridges of your digital footprint. And it goes on further. Why is it used and who uses it in relation, of course, to your browser footprint? Increased public concern for internet privacy has made precautionary methods more accessible and easier for, for users to implement, making traditional cookie-based tracking relatively untenable. This decline in cookie efficiency has led trackers to seek out more advanced ways of monitoring their users Many of the companies that pioneered browser fingerprinting saw this as a commercial opportunity and quickly expanded their services into the world of online tracking. Browser fingerprinting is just one of many other tracking techniques used by companies known as data brokers. These third-party companies use your digital fingerprint to discreetly trace your activity across the web, collecting little bits of data about you along the way. While trackers won't necessarily match your activity with a face or name, the data they derive from websites you visit, social platforms you use, searches you perform, and content you consume can be considered personally identifiable. With this data, brokers build a general profile of who you are, 
i.e. age range, location, language, interests, among other things, and sell this insight to advertisers and marketers who use it to relentlessly serve you personalized ads and content recommendations across the web. So I hope you guys are getting a much bigger image about how deep exactly the data mining goes that it's just not as simple as it once was before and you know like trying to disable the activity logs or whatever you have it it's not just that simple anymore it even goes as deep as tracking your keyboard strokes even your mouse movements and then that information gets sent off to an ai to again match your real world identity to your online identity so I hope you guys are getting a broader scope and understanding of just really how pervasive all of this stuff truly is. One way to combat the browser fingerprinting that I learned through my research, again, goes back to the compartmentalization. You may also hear me refer to it as isolation in this podcast. So a good example of this would be like, say you're using Google, right? In that ecosystem of using Google Chrome, you would only keep it for your Google stuff. So say like your YouTube or your Gmail or your Google drives, but you wouldn't use it to say like go to a new site or for your banking because you'd only want Google to know the activities specific to Google so that they can't collect your data on anything else. So as far as Google's concerned, you're just only using their services and their ser services alone, which won't be a big deal because now you get some advantages like you don't have to worry about logging out. You don't have to worry about cookies and you know that they know that and as well as they know your ID because of your Google ID in that way, like you can be safe knowing exactly what information you are giving them. And then now on your alternative browser of your choice, whether it be like Mozilla, Brave or I don't know, maybe Tor even you can then do your other stuff like your banking, your news sites, and whatever else you have it. So that's one useful technique that can be used to help combat this. I also just want to further my point in explaining to you how pervasive the tracking really is. Because say you feel like, okay, you know, I'm not logged in, I'm in incognito mode, and I'm using a VPN, so I should be fine in whatever I'm doing. You know, that would sound like common sense and sound logic. However, that's not the case. And give me a second to explain why. On most of the websites that dominate the web, they actually, in some form or another, do have Google and Facebook embedded in them. And I say this because most websites, they'll have something like, say, a Facebook like button or Instagram like button where they want to gauge how much people really like their website, you know, like some form of metric, right? So what you don't realize is on their website, Facebook is existing on it because there is Facebook code inside of the Facebook like button. And in the form of Google, every website wants that search engine optimization. So what do they do? They add Google analytics inside of their program. So in that way, Google knows who you are because of your Google ID and Facebook knows who you are because of the username that is assigned to your Facebook account. So all of these activities that you're doing and carrying on with all end up being tied back to you. 
because of the Google code or the Facebook code that is existing on that other website. So that's just another thing, you know, for you guys to be aware of that it's not as simple as just really having a VPN or being incognito. Like I said before, being anonymous and being private, they're not synonyms. They're two completely different things. Now, for the purpose of this podcast, I would like to direct our attentions to mobile applications. And I have to be a little, I have to warn you guys that I'm a bit biased in a sense because I've only owned one iPhone in my life and that was iPhone 4. And then ever since I've only owned Android phones, so I'm a bit more keen on the tools that are useful for Android than I am for Apple and iOS. Now, I know in light of recent news, a lot of people have been switching to Signal from WhatsApp because, like I mentioned at the beginning of the video, the policy that WhatsApp implemented. However, it's important to remember that encryption is nice, but it only protects the content. And in modern surveillance, it is the metadata that will kill you. And I know a lot of you are wondering now, okay, well, what is this metadata thing he's talking about? Metadata is defined as who you talk to, where, when, for how long, for how often, and on what device, and on what software. And I know this is pretty alarming to you and pretty freaky, but I can attest to this as a programmer because I have worked with some programs in the past and developed some things, and I do notice a lot of the metadata that is in the script. As well as, say if you take a photo, and I guess maybe if you a lot of you have seen this already and you just swipe on it, swipe up on it, sorry, on, you know, modern Android phones, you will see like your location, the time, the date and various other information that is metadata. For those of you who would like to really further protect themselves against metadata and like I said, remain anonymous, then you'll be looking at the route of using Tor, the onion router, along with Hunix, Tails, or Linux. It's a combination of either or, to be honest, with the Tor browser. Unix, Tails, and Linux, they're different operating systems. And when you go down that route, you'll be using the Tor browser as your main browser. And Tor comes with DuckDuckGo as its search engine. And it's recommended that you do not change any of the settings or add any extensions to the Tor browser to just keep basically just keep it the way that it is like because if you add stuff you will unless if you know what you're doing you will potentially compromise yourself but that being said signal is a very excellent platform uh, i was looking at them way before all of this hoopla with whatsapp and i really do admire their integrity and their wanting to uphold everyone's privacy to not store things on their servers and to just, you know, really stick to their word about um, honoring everyone's privacy. I know it may seem like I'm jumping all over the place, but please just bear with me because I want everyone to really get a glimpse at how deep the tracking really goes. Uh, I know for some of you, you may be thinking, okay, I own an Android phone. Maybe I'll just root it and change the OS. And, you know, that way I can get rid of a lot of like the Google tracking. That sounds like a good idea, but unless they really specify that they uphold privacy and that they're willing to get rid of all the spy code in the OS, then you may not be doing yourself such a big favor. 
One of the OSs, however, I've heard of and people say that it is secure and privacy focused is Graphene OS. But as far as I'm concerned, that's only for Pixel phones. I believe there are some other operating systems available that can be that can exist on other Android phones. Or the other alternative is now they have de-Googled phones like Librarium and Pinephone. Those are two really good examples. But um, as far as the Google phones go, the the biggest danger that lies in them is there's a lot of spyware baked into the OS and even at the hardware level. And I say this because they use a practice which is called Wi-Fi triangulation and it is accomplished using Wi-Fi scanning which means apps like Facebook can track your location even if location permissions are off. Wi-Fi scanning is based off a feature called promiscuous mode which is built into every Wi-Fi chip more accurately tracking your location than even GPS and it even works indoors. One other thing to keep in mind is even if somehow you're able to, to bypass all of that stuff, you cannot remove certain capabilities built into the baseband chip on your cell phone. So again, like I said, this is one of the reasons why there's been a push to make de-Google phones, meaning phones without the hardware, phones without the hardware that Google is using because they realize that even at the hardware level, there's all of this tracking stuff. It's not just at the OS level. Like there are two, it's almost like a dichotomy, right? There's the OS and a software. And of course they all get tied in and work together, but you can't just necessarily take it out of one and not deal with the other. That's the point I'm trying to get at. So now that we are aware of some of the dangers, I would like to highlight some tools that you can use in order to better combat this. So first off for the search engine side, you can use a search engine like DuckDuckGo Quant, Crx, or Start Page. And as far as browsers go, you have the Tor browser, Brave. Brave is really great if you're not feel if you're not really that tech savvy. However, there are videos that will explain to you how to configure it because you have to keep in mind it is okay out of the box, but the the extra add-ons and configurations make it a lot better for your safety. As well as you can also use Mozilla, but. Mm, I wouldn't really recommend it at this time because they came out with a new policy and I don't entirely agree with everything they were saying, but you can still use them for other things like say your banking or your shopping because it's still a really secure and great web browser. And then on the mobile side for your messaging, I would suggest Signal. That is for both iOS and Android. However, there is one better than Signal, but it's only for Android. And that is Briar, B-R-I-A-R. And then on the email side, there is ProtonMail, which is one of the best encrypted email services. And they have a free account. And I believe they even encrypt. The, no, they don't encrypt. But I think I believe the emails that you send to somebody who's not using ProtonMail will require them to enter a password. And just as great as ProtonMail is Tutanota, which is another encrypted email service provider. And likewise, they do have a free account. And then there is also MailFence. But as far as my research has gone, people love ProtonMail the most and then Tutanota. And then 
both ProtonMail and Tutanota, they allow you to have multiple email accounts, I believe up to five, which is really great because it is recommended that you have different emails for, say, shopping, banking, um, just your everyday life and other facets instead of just using one email for everything. And if you have multiple emails, then you'll need an email manager. And what is what they recommend is K9, so K-9, the number nine, or Fair Email Client or Thunderbird. I've heard a lot of people really recommend Thunderbird. And then obviously for those emails, you'll need passwords. And of course, that's when password managers come in. And I've heard um, very high praises from Bitwarden. And then there's also Keep Pass XC. For the back on the mobile side, you can get uh, application firewall for your phone. And for Android, it is called NetGuard. And for iOS, it is called Lockdown. And I've also, through my research, heard of um, alternative cloud storages. And you have to remember that no service is truly free. Like you either pay for it with your own data or you have to pay it with money, right? So this next one, they have a free version, but of course it comes with like less storage and it's called Nextcloud. And as far as two factor authentication, it is recommended that you do not use Google or your cell phone number for this. Instead, for, on the Android side, it is A-N-D-O-T-P, as well as on the iOS side, there is free OTP, spelled F-R-E-E-O-T-P. And instead of Google Maps, you can use OpenStreetMap Automated Navigation and Directions, which is shortened to O-S-M-A-N-D. I've heard a lot of great things about that. And instead of using the Google Play Store, which has a lot of the spy code built into it, Android users can get F-Droid as a replacement. And that is one advantage that Android has over iOS is there is an alternative for the Play Store, whereas iOS only has the Apple App Store. And just um, uh, another thing through my research that was brought to my attention was for your cell phone, instead of using YouTube, you can apparently use New Pipe as it is a YouTube client. So that way you're not having to log on to YouTube all the time. I know it seemed a bit all over the place at times, but we have to keep in mind that it seems so simple, but it's really very multifaceted in that it stretches to our mobile our mobile life as well as our desktop life. And then of course with desktop, you got Windows or Mac. And of course, a mobile, you got Android or iOS, and then like different variations of each software. So I hope that was just enough to really wet your palate and let you guys have a glimpse into what you're really dealing with and getting into. And then, of course, I encourage everyone, just don't take my word for it. Like, do your own research and just really see and learn for yourselves. Just remember, these tools, they are not magic. You have to know how to use them and when to use them. All right, guys, everyone. Stay safe and happy trails.